There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. The high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Dansby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for it inside the Parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole, and this week, I am your only host. Unfortunately, my good buddy Garrett was not able to attend with me tonight, so this is going to be a bit of an abbreviated episode of Road to Atlanta. I do apologize for that. As it stands on here, Monday, April 25th, we've had a lot of interesting things going on in the minor leagues, but before we get into that, we're going to talk a little bit about what our prospects or recently graduated young fellas have been doing in the major league level. First, we're going to talk a little bit about Bryce Elder. Bryce did not have a banner outing this past week, uh, has had some command issues over the last couple starts, walked a bunch of guys, was really had that pitch out of trouble a couple times now in a row, not the way that he normally performs. And that is what I want to emphasize here, is that for a guy that is a college arm, really kind of known for his command, he just hasn't really had it the last couple starts. I don't necessarily know what to attribute that to. Is that nerves? Is that just early season rust? Is that just making some adjustments? And he's got to continue to make those adjustments to kind of continue to get that command. But don't expect him to be a guy that is just going to be walking a bunch of guys every time he goes out there. He generally is a guy that induces a lot of ground balls, does like to fill the strike zone, works off that slider, I'm not worried about him, but at the same time, this has been a couple starts now where he's walked more guys than we, frankly, you've been used to see him walking, and hopefully he can get that under control. Uh, another guy who had been really good since his call-up but had a bit of a rough outing was Spencer Strider. Couldn't even record an out, uh, was walking guys. Got squeezed a bit on the strike zone, but certainly didn't look like his normal self. Uh, the, the velo was fine, was just, just missing the strike zone a little bit up or maybe a little bit outside. Again, nothing that I'm super concerned about. He's clearly very highly thought of in the by the Braves, and I think he's going to be kind of pretty heavily cemented in that kind of either longer relief role or put him in there for an inning, make him throw up 99 or 100 miles an hour and see if they can hit it sort of type. Uh, We did have some changes to the roster in a little bit of a more negative sense is that we had uh, Waskar Enoa and Tucker Davidson sent down to Gwinnett. Again, with Gwinnett, uh, with Waskar, he is not a guy that I've been particularly high on as a starter. Seems more like a reliever type to me. Going down to Gwinnett, it'll be interesting to see if they maybe change his usage at all. There's just so much competition for those starting rotation spots for the Braves right now that if you have hiccups at all or if there's red flags at all, that there's just guys ready to take your spot. And in Waskar's case, he just hasn't looked particularly good this year. Very hittable. Uh, Also just doesn't have that same life. He will have outings, and he'll have them in Gwinnett, I'm certain, that he just looks completely untouchable but when you don't when you don't have that third pitch and when your stuff is really contingent on getting life on your fastball to make your slider something that's a little harder to lay off of and you can get the swings that he wants that's it becomes a lot trickier as a, as a starting rotation arm and as for Tucker just hasn't been particularly great this season he's going to be a guy that uh he he has been pretty vocal about the fact that he doesn't like the minor league pitch clock I'm curious to see kind of how he develops over the course of the the season given that 
again, with this pitch clock, he seems like a guy who likes to take a little more time in between his pitches. Is that going to impact him? Is he going to be able to kind of continue to keep himself in the conversation for those rotation spots? Because, again, there's going to be guys, I mean, other than the guys I've mentioned where Bryce Elders came out of nowhere, he got added to the 40-man roster and was put in the rotation. There's still Kyle Muller lurking in the background. When's he going to get an opportunity? Does he get an opportunity? But given that he's on the 40-man roster relatively soon, we, we shall see. But... When you're seeing when you're seeing guys having hiccups here and there, the Braves aren't going to wait around forever for these guys. They have options available to them. But that brings us to uh, some other news regarding <laughs> uh, two bullpen arms that one that I thought was actually pretty certain to make the opening day roster and didn't, and one that I think should have been given have given that spot to was uh, Sean Newcomb and Jacob Webb both were DFA'd and uh, were claimed. Uh, Eric Jacob Webb, I believe, went to the Diamondbacks. And Sean, Sean Newcomb's case, the understanding is that he was claimed by the Cubs, and the Cubs worked out a trade with the Braves where they would get Sean Newcomb in exchange for old friend Jesse Chavez, who's already been in the major leagues, uh, obviously for a long time, but has already made an appearance with the Braves and was good. So, uh, And as for Sean, he came in in a 21 nothing game that the Cubs were winning, and that seems like a, le- a lead that is safe for Newcomb to bring Newcomb in. Hopefully that start, that uh, kind of a new start, just a fresh look, a new pair of eyes, a different coaching staff, a different player development team can actually figure out what's going on with Sean and can really harness what is a very live arm, be successful in the major leagues because it's very clear that his time in the major, in, with the Braves was waning for quite a long time. We've, we've seen him be pretty good, but for the most part, he's a very frustrating player, both with command issues, with just kind of like, you know, dumb mental mistakes in regards to what happens with runners around base and what happens to his location when he gets out there. Just not a guy that could really ever get on track with the Braves beyond, you know, some early dominance in the minor leagues. Hopefully he can get things sorted out and he performs well for the Cubs. But for now, he is no longer with the Braves organization and to get getting that, you know, get, getting him as an option away from Brian Snitker in close-ish games that they're losing is frankly a win for the big league club. So can't be too upset about that. And one guy who did make his debut uh, and had to because they had to, uh, Adam Duvall had a family illness that he had to attend to. So they brought up Travis Demerit, who was on the 40-man roster, finally makes his debut with the Braves after being traded to them from to them from Texas so long ago. Uh, looked like that he, had a, he was going to have a chance to actually potentially have a reserve role with the Braves, his first stint with them, ultimately goes to the Tigers, does make his Major League debut there, doesn't isn't able to stick on the Major League roster. The Braves end up getting him back, and he gets a double. He finally works his way up. He's in Gwinnett. He's hitting pretty well, and he gets a chance to play with the Braves finally. Uh, a, a Georgia native, that was certainly a, probably a thrill for his family and friends. He does hit a double uh, for, in his Braves debut, which was really, really cool to see. Again, I don't see... Demerit necessarily is a long-term piece. Maybe is an outfield bench piece at this point. He's not a guy who's playing in the infield anymore. But there is rule. But there is real power in that bat. And even though he frustrates us a lot with his issues with strikeouts, uh, tons of fly balls, and he just disappears for weeks, if not months, at a time. But when he is on and he's hitting a bunch of home runs, he's really fun to watch. That brings us to our normal for- format for the show, and this is where I would normally be kicking it up to Garrett quite a bit to kind of break us down through all four of the minor league levels. Obviously, a little bit of a different format this, tonight where we're going to have to just do this by myself, so this will be a little bit quicker than usual and also won't have the same normal flair that Garrett, that Garrett would, would bring. We'll get back to that next week, but we'll start with the Gwinnett Stripers. And Kyle had an interesting, Kyle Muller had an interesting start for Gwinnett in that, you know, command has been kind of a, 
a common theme in his development as a minor league player, uh, as a starter. Doesn't always seem to have it. He, does, he seems to be a guy who does is going to walk a, a good number of guys in whatever role he ends up in. Command was an issue, but he did miss a lot of bats, and he wasn't he wasn't the reason they lost the game. He was a guy that, you know, again, when he needed to make pitches and when he needed to get outs, he was able to get them. But you'd like to see a little bit more dominance out of a guy that, but again, for a big framed guy that just really relies on his stuff playing up, sometimes when the command is a little bit off with those long levers, sometimes things can get away from him. And we saw him walk four guys in that game. Hopefully he can get that under control. He needs to be walking two, maybe three guys a game. When you get to that four and five range, that's just too many base runners for anybody. So hopefully he can get that under control. But overall, it looked pretty good. The fastball looked really live. And you know, he was getting a lot of action on his pitches. In fact, it was just a little bit too much, and he wasn't able to kind of harness it. Uh, Tuki Toussaint, uh, back down in Gwinnett, uh, had some had four solid innings out of the bullpen. Another bullpen arm that we're going to highlight here, and this is kind of a an interesting note, is that William Woods started the season in Mississippi Braves rotation and was pretty good. Uh, I wouldn't say awesome, but pretty good in that role. Then he was scratched from a start fairly recently, but... On that same day, he made a relief appearance. Now, the reason for that is that it sounds like the Braves have figured out that, you know, the best role for him is a reliever. That makes a ton of sense. We're talking about a guy that has a fastball, can hit triple digits. And while as a starter, it's really intentionalized to at least try having a guy like that being a starter. I mean, the same thing goes with Spencer Strider. And in Strider's case, I still think his long-term future is going to, going to at least continue to try to have him as a starter. But in Wood's case, it was always a little bit weird to me that given he was a little bit of an older prospect, and he always just felt like a relief prospect to me. Well, that day that he was scratched from, he made a relief appearance and was dominant. 98, 99 miles an hour out of the pen. That, that plays all day. After that, he was promoted to AAA and had a dominant bullpen performance there. What it looks like to me is that the Braves have decided that the arms that they have on their 40-man roster, I think that a roster trim is very well already underway. We've already seen guys getting DFA'd and bringing guys on who can contribute long-term to the team, that they're going to get some of these guys off the 40-man roster, whether that be through trades, whether that be through just designating them for excitement and then you know either letting the waiver wire claim them where they, where they need to be. But they're going to start putting guys who are on the 40-man roster and start to give these guys opportunities. Do not be surprised at all if William Woods puts together a string of decent to good relief performances with the Grunette Stripers that we could see him in the Braves' bullpen sooner rather than later. This is a very, very live arm. And again, you need guys who can throw hard and can be contributors in the bullpen because that is the most volatile commodity in baseball right now. It just is. Bullpen arms come and go so quickly, and the Braves know that, and they have some guys that they, frankly, they're just on the 40-man roster, period, that maybe they they don't feel like they can count on for that. Maybe they can't lean on them and say, you know what, when in doubt, we can go to them in the bullpen, and they're starting to be more creative and more aggressive with those promotions and with those roster moves, and William Woods, I think, is firmly in that mix. Uh, The elephant in the room, of course, with the Gwinnett Stripers is that Ronald Acuna Jr. continues his rehab uh, his, his rehabbing down there in Gwinnett, and he's been great. Uh, he's, you know, OPS over 1,000 the last time I looked. You know, had a, had a game where he reached, recently where he reached base five times. Scoring, running, all of it looks good. No one's worried about his raw power at all. No one's worried about He looks completely healthy. I think that if he really needed to, he could be in games in the major leagues right now. 
But I think the Braves are being smart, and they're just going to, hey, you know what, we're going to kind of make sure all those soft tissues, all those ligaments, all that stuff's in perfect game shape. You don't want anything tightening up. You don't want to have, you know, all of a sudden he has a tight hamstring or a tight quad or something like that, and he has to miss a few games here and there. You just get him in great game shape. And so it sounds like the plan is that they will have tomorrow off because Gwinnett has, an, or tomorrow Tuesday, that is, though he'll have that day off. Uh, they've been kind of building a couple days off here and there for in during his rehab stint because it's a really early start for Gwinnett on Tuesday, and they just don't want to, they just don't want to put him on that sort of that sort of schedule. They'd rather just have him, you know, doing rehab work, doing you know, just getting stretched out, not worrying about being in games that early, just getting into a regular major league routine as opposed to what they're doing down in their minor leagues, uh, and then playing a couple more games uh, after that in the outfield, DHing and see where he's at. I would not be surprised at all that. Before we get to the month of May, I know that the May 6th date has been thrown around there. I would not be surprised at all, at all, the way he's looked if he was back in the major leagues before the month of May starts. That's just how he's looked. It sounds like the Braves are open to that possibility that he might force their hand and realize that he might be uh, back and all healthy and good to go before that, that May 6th date because he looks quite good. And hopefully he will be up there sooner rather than later. He certainly doesn't belong in Gwinnett for too much longer. My guess is this basic way he looks, he's going to be back pretty quickly. Uh, one other name that we're going to mention before we go on to Mississippi is Braden Shoemake. Now, Braden Shoemake was off to a really hot start through that first week of the season. Looked like there was he was driving the ball, real power, was exciting to see. Uh, you know, was more direct to the ball, just was being able to really kind of impact the ball a lot more. And especially coming off a season in Mississippi where it just looked truly dreadful. It was an awful year for, year for him. Uh, looked really good. Then was dealing with a back injury, as I reported. And again, nothing major. Just, you know, something was this tweaked. And a couple games after he came back didn't look particularly great, but had a good week last week. Uh, went six went six for 20. Had a good game on his last game out. Has struck out a little bit more. And he's had a continuation of something that's happened really for the last season and a half. And that is that he is not walking. And that's the one thing that has been kind of a negative this year. And it's been an extension of what's happened since his time in Mississippi. Is that, you know, he's been putting the ball play with more authority. We like all seeing all that. He plays a great, great shortstop. That's a really, really good defensive arm uh, over that at short. And for a guy who I wasn't sure if he was going to be kind of a tweener type, maybe he has to move over to second base. He's an absolute shortstop, 100%. And I feel a little bit more confident now that, you know, the power output's going to be there where it needs to be to be a potential useful major leaguer there. He's still striking out a bit, which is fine, but he has not walked this season yet. And he didn't walk much last year either. And if he's going to want to really kind of cement himself as an option, potentially if Dancy Swanson goes elsewhere after this season, he's going to have to demonstrate the ability to get on base. And, you know, the hit tool, again... If you look at last year, it was really a concern. This year, maybe less of a concern. But you're going to have to be able to draw walks and be able to get on base and kind of allow his other tools like his speed to really be effective. And so far, he's just he, it's just a weird thing that he has just not walked at all. Now, we've seen this happen in the past where, like, Michael Harris just, like, drew, like, two walks the first month of the season last year. And that's not a concern for him anymore. He's a guy who can draw walks. That's just kind of how it worked in a small sample. But this is something to kind of keep an eye on with Shoemake is that he's not a guy who's working – at bats long enough to really see, you know, get those free passes and be able to potentially do some work on the base bats. He's trying to put the ball in play every time he's out there. And it's not ugly swings. It's not bad swings out of the strike zone necessarily. But it would like if you, we would like it if he was able to kind of, you know, force the issue a little bit more, get some more walks, and get that OBP up because right now it's pretty grim. That brings us to Mississippi. And 
we can't talk about the Mississippi Braves without talking about Michael Harris. He did connect for his first home run of the season this week. Congratulations. Now, for all those who are just like, hey, he, you know, he, he can't hit home runs. He doesn't have any power. We don't need that in our lineup. Uh, clearly, you don't know much about Michael Harris or what he looks like in batting practice or anything like that. But he did turn on one, uh, showing off that very prodigious raw power that he has. Uh, but overall, it wasn't a, a super awesome week for him. And by that, I mean he was still great. He has not appeared in a game for the Mississippi Braves this year without reaching base. Uh, struck out a little bit more than he had been. Did actually have a hitless game or two. But beyond that, he's been really, really good. Uh, when he's on base, he's stealing bases. He's making things happen with his legs. He's getting clutch hits. He hits the ball the opposite way a whole ton. Uh, and when he and uh, he demonstrated that when he can turn when he pulls the ball and he can turn on one, he can hit the ball a mile. It just wasn't uh, it. It wasn't as I guess as good as it had been in the sense that he had like hit safely in something like thirteen games in a row, and now he had, you know had a couple hitless games here and there, but he was still stealing bases, had extra base hits, had his first home runs. Overall, just another of a key another reason to say that Michael Harris is clearly the top pro- prospect in the Braves farm system, and my hunch is that the national guys are going to start giving him even more love as time goes on. Um, Jesse Franklin had a good week. He was actually named uh, the player of the week for the Mississippi Braves on the offensive side this year, uh, this week. Uh, after a, a start for a couple weeks where he was just not doing much at all, striking out a whole ton, he still struck out a ton this week, but he did hit a couple home runs, including a three-run homer that should have won a very weird game for the Mississippi Braves. Put them up 11-10 in the eighth inning, I believe it was. But unfortunately, the top of the ninth inning saw... <laughs> the opposing team score eight runs, and the Mississippi Braves lost that game 18-11, to which was pretty unfortunate. Uh, Drew Lovebauer had a really good week. Was He's drawing walks. He's hitting home runs. Continues to surprise us, for sure. We we were high on him when he was coming out of rookie ball and was like leading the league in home runs and was a really exciting player. Had a couple really just rough seasons where he didn't look great, but last year put up a, a quietly very good season uh, as kind of a first-base DH type. Was one of the best. Was one of the key offensive pieces, frankly, for that Mississippi team that won the championship last year. And now he's drawn walks. He's leading the team right now in OPS. I mean, Michael Harris is right there nipping at his heels. But if you had said that Drew Lugbauer was going to be the guy leading the team in OPS through the first two, three weeks of the season, you would have gotten a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of weird looks from a lot of people. But he's again, he's just kind of building off what was a really good year last year. Doesn't have all the time in the world because he was a college guy coming out of the draft, so he really needs to kind of, you know, make himself known here pretty quickly. But overall, really, really good week from him. Uh, Luke Waddell had a much better week. Uh, seven of He had seven hits last week. Four of them came in the same game, so hopefully he can kind of spread that love out a little bit more and actually can, you know, continue to hit because he had a pretty rough start to the season. But it's nice to see him have a really good game. Uh, was a really kind of key part key part of the offense in one particular game. And he's a guy who can, we think can flat out hit. Uh, whether or not he's going to be an impact bat, whether or not he ends up just being kind of a bench piece type is going to be an open question. I think it's fair to say there's a certain amount of skepticism there as a senior sign out of Georgia Tech in the last year's draft. But he can hit, and hopefully he can kind of carve out a role because right now having kind of a guy who could play all over the infield and who could hit would certainly be useful in the major leagues. Uh, Darius Vines pitched into the seventh inning. Much better control this goal, his last start. Overall, really, really nice showing out of him from from Mississippi. He's a guy that could really kind of force the issue here relatively soon and maybe make the way, make his way to Gwinnett before too long. The only thing is just the, the number of arms they have at Gwinnett. Hopefully they could, they would be able to make some moves there. And considering all the roster moves they've been making, that, that might just end up taking, for, taking care of itself and he ends up getting called up. Um, Freddie Tarnock had a couple uh, outings last week, and 
wasn't particularly sharp. Just wasn't able to pitch really deep in games. Uh, command was a little bit iffy, particularly with the breaking ball. Was spiking more pitches than we're used to. Wasn't able to kind of uh, be as crisp and work as deep and work as efficiently. I'm not super worried because that's a really live arm, and we just saw so many strides that he took last year. He just hasn't quite gotten going yet, so nothing really to, to report beyond that that he wasn't particularly awesome the last couple of starts that he was out there, but he's also a guy that we think, uh, the, in terms of potential the sky's the limit, that's a live fastball. We think the breaking ball could be one of the best in the system. Um, Jared Schuster had a couple hard hit balls, but overall... When you give up two runs in seven seven innings, that's kind of hard to complain about. It's really measuring up against what were two outstanding starts to start the season. So if that's a bad start for you, that's perfectly fine. But it's just kind of a, a reminder that sometimes his stuff is a little bit more hittable than you'd like. And when he leaves that fastball in the low 90s and leaves it fat, then he can get hit pretty hard. But that changeup is a very, very, very good pitch, and he's looked really good. Uh, we, I suspect that he'll look pretty good for the, over the next few starts, and we're going to start have to kind of reevaluating our skepticism of him because he has really been pitching off that command really, really well and kind of locating everything that he needs to to allow his the tools that he does have to play up. Um, again, William William Woods, we already kind of talked about it a little bit. He was moved to the bullpen and then promoted the AAA. Um, Dre Harris, another just kind of balls aren't falling for him right now. It's kind of the same story as last year. It says whatever he would hit, it would you would know, find a glove. Uh, just can't seem to get anything going offensively, which is a real shame because this is a guy who was a you know a minor league player of the year and had hit his way all the way to Double A and just can't seem to get over the hump and really kind of be able to demonstrate that he could be a piece. And it's particularly unfortunate because at his age, you know, COVID hitting when it did was really just not good for him um you know especially since he didn't play at the alternate site you know it, it, it functionally put you know to, was a big setback for him i'm not sure where that means for him long term but you know the, the first few weeks of the season haven't made me go you know trey harris is going to be a guy that's going to be in the mix for the braves in the long term and he just doesn't have a lot of time to figure it out hopefully if he gets things going in the next couple of months and is can hitting like we've seen him hit then that's a different that's an entirely different story but right now there's reason for real real concern and skepticism uh last but not least we'll talk a little bit about indigo diaz here he had looked really bad for the first couple of weeks of the season and you know the command wasn't there and like he had like historically bad appearances where he'd like walk the bases loaded and then walk in the game winning run uh, or would just give away games and he was just not that guy last year for Rome he was lights out just if you needed him in a big spot he would just strike out three straight guys and then you'd just be they'd be good to go but ever since kind of the late last season through the AFL and then the early part of the season he had just not looked like the same guy but had two good outings this past week for for Mississippi really nice to see that the command was much better he was actually being able to induce some quick at bats and ground outs while also missing some bats as well. Hopefully this is a sign of things to come and not necessarily a sign that, you know, this is just a blip on the radar and that he's actually been on the downturn and he won't be in the he won't be in the offering as a potential other relief option for the Braves in the long term. You know, he's a guy that we thought that it was very possible that he could just get added to the forty man roster because just how well he was performing. Before we get into Rome and Augusta to finish this off, we're gonna take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back to talk about the Rome Braves uh, and Augusta Green Jackets before I let everyone go on what is going to be a very abbreviated podcast uh, without Garrett. Uh, the, the normal back and forth and the random tangents that we have aren't going to be necessarily in the offering this week, but we'll make sure we get back to that next week. Next uh, week For Rome, uh, very interesting week, but not one that was, uh, I would say, overly successful for the names that you would be hopeful for. Vaughn Grissom continues to have a very weird season in the sense that, you know, the batting average hasn't really been there. So if like you kind of look at his stat lines or you look at his box scores, he doesn't look like a guy that is impacting the games as much as he actually is. But he's reaching based on a lot of errors. He's, he, he's drew, he drew six walks last week against four strikeouts. Again, only five for 21 last week, but he is a guy that just continues to get on base, has like a 400 OBP right now. If he just starts driving the ball more and stops driving the ball into the ground as much, good things are going to start to happen for him. And, you know, even when he's kind of quote-unquote struggling right now, he's still making things happen and, like, driving in runs and keeping innings going, making, you know, long at-bats. He's a real he's a contributor, just not as quite as the impact way that you would normally look at, especially if you're looking at a minor league box score and he's, like, one for four with a single and, you know, or one for five with a single or something like that or 0 for three. But a lot of those 0 for threes are, like, he reached error on an error and he drew two walks in the game and he scores a couple runs. Overall, really nice to see that he's continuing to contribute even when he's not at his offensive best. I do want to see more power out of him, though. That's the one thing. I want to see him driving the ball and actually threatening extra bases more because right now he's more of kind of a, a hit-over-power type guy, and I think that there's a little bit more that he could tip towards the balance of power if he was able to turn on some pitches. Uh, Justin Henry Malloy hit his first home run of the week, first home run of the season, had a good week uh, after it was a pretty rough start to the season, lost strikeouts. He's he is built different, and he's super athletic, and you know he's a guy that you really could see impacting the ball in a big way. So it's nice to see him get his first home run and being able to drive the ball with authority because that start of the season was not particularly great for him. Hopefully he can kind of keep that going uh, because, frankly, the Braves just don't have a lot of those type of guys in their in their farm system right now. Andrew Hoffman uh, had a good had a had a good start. Uh, struck out eleven guys and no walks in six innings pitched. Uh, for a guy that his first start wasn't particularly great, he looked much, much better. Let's go around. Uh, just commanding the ball all over the zone and just getting a lot of silly swings and just guys freezing guys up, getting those knee-buckling uh, knee buckling pitches, which is exactly what you want to see out of a college arm. In the lower levels, you want to see them having command of their stuff and sequencing their pitches in such a way that these young hitters just have no chance against them. That's exactly what he did. Uh, he's a guy that, you know... Again, we liked preseason. Maybe it's kind of like a back top, back of the top thirty type. And if he keeps pitching like this, he's gonna be working up that list in a hurry. Uh, Rodery Munoz uh, pitched. Uh, he was not. He had a couple outings where the command wasn't really there. Didn't really be able, wasn't able to pitch very very long. He's a guy that we're keeping an eye on. You I mean when he's throwing ninety six to ninety eight, and with the outing that I saw him, he looked pretty good. Um, again, just kind of longer at bats, a lot of balls fouled off. We I need to, we need to start putting away hitters a little bit more quickly, uh, being able to trust that breaking stuff and being able to throw it for strikes and getting swings. Then that's what that, that's what he needs to be doing because right now he's pretty heavy fastball. 
being able to pitch off his secondary stuff is where we, where that's going to come come from, and he'll be able to be a little bit more efficient. Uh, Dylan Dodd had a much better outing as well. Uh, six uh, six strikeouts in five and a third. Was commanding the ball well. Has a ton of pitches that he can throw and and get swings and misses for. He again the start of the season to him wasn't particularly great. We hope that that was just kind of a blip on the radar, just kind of knocking the rust off a little bit. Everyone's kind of getting, you know finding themselves early on in the season, and for him. For a senior sign out of the third in the third round, that this is a guy that we think is going to force his way to triple, uh, not triple A, at least double A this season. The only thing that we have a slight concern about right now is that once he gets one time through a lineup, it's kind of like the Kyle Wright thing that I constantly complained about. Right, it's just that all of a sudden the command isn't quite there, the approach isn't quite there. He changes his approach in ways that don't serve him particularly well. He needs, just needs to trust his stuff more and try to be cute less and try not to be overly commandy. Because if you try to over-command your pitches, then all of a sudden like you're trying to play a game of inches when in reality, if you have the stuff, you just still need to be kind of be challenging guys, even if you need to change the sequences up a little bit. Uh, but in this, but you know, in both of his starts now, he's had issues kind of that second time through a lineup, the command wasn't quite the same. Is that a fatigue thing? Is that approach thing? That has yet to be determined. But overall, really excited to kind of see that he had a little bit of a better outing. Hopefully he can continue that progress and kind of keep getting deeper into games and, you know, being able to navigate that lineup second, third time through through the order. Uh, for Augusta, uh, this remains, every year it remains a, a weird, weird affiliate. Uh, we always see these teams walk a ton. Uh, it seems like their offense is always striking out a whole bunch. This is the second year in a row now where it seems like they're somewhat offensively challenged. Uh, a lot of raw talent on the roster for Augusta. We're going to start with Makai Backstrom as a guy that we've been obviously very high on. We've cooled on him a bit because you have to kind of pump the brakes on a guy who you know wasn't able to make his full season debut until this year. The good news, got three extra base hits, had, a, had an RBI triple that was a, bit, um, a, a pretty important hit. But he's also striking out an absolute ton. He's walks a ton too. So oddly enough, his OPS is actually pretty good because when he does hit the ball, he hits the ball hard, and he's walking a whole lot. But there's a whole lot. He's hitting around 200 right now, and he is striking out a good bet. He has to put the ball in play more. But if he starts putting the ball in play more, whenever he does, the, he hits the absolute crap out of it. And, when he, and there's reason to be uh, hopeful there. Given that this is like, you know, again, his first few weeks in full season ball, there's a lot of potential there. And we do like seeing all the walks, but he's going to have to start putting the ball in play more and impacting the ball on a more regular basis. When he does, he, he's shown that he can do real damage, but overall, we, we just need to see a little bit more. Uh, Brandon Mosquita has weirdly been the one of the best hitters on the uh, Green Jackets roster, had a good week. Uh, the power hasn't really been there, but drawing walks again. And he's putting the ball in play, and he's you know hitting doubles and getting key, hits in key spots to kind of keep that Augusta Green Jackets offense moving. Because again, this is a this is an offense that can be a, a, a little bit feast or famine. It's like you know in those innings where they get two walks, they either get a hit, and that's great, or they strike out two you know two straight batters, and all of a sudden it's all, all that works for not. So he's been one of those guys that when there's been runners on, he's been able to do some damage and make things happen for an Augusta Green Jackets roster that's not necessarily scoring a ton of runs most games. Um, Caleb Durbin, he, this guy just does not strike out. He just doesn't. He's hitting around 300. he He's been doing great, stealing bases, uh, does have a home run on the season, 
Uh, I wouldn't necessarily count on him being a power threat for, in the long term, but he's a guy that just knows how to put the ball in play. And he's it's it's wild as how he how it's not quite the Williams Estadio type thing where you know he's hitting balls at his eyes uh, and just refusing to strike out. But he's definitely a guy who knows how to put the bat to the ball. Uh, those bat to ball skills are going to serve him well. Curious just to kind of see how they handle him going forward because after a few weeks of if he's hitting three home if he's hitting three hundred. And just, you know, and, and being a and really important cog for that Augusta Green Jackets roster, as a college guy, they don't necessarily keep those guys down for super long. And he doesn't have a ton of guys ahead of him that are going to be keeping him from getting promoted. Um, Roy Bersalinas, uh, our breakout star from this season, did actually look a little more human. Um, the command was kind of all over the place. Wasn't able to kind of... The, the effort you've... When you're when you're thinking about it, when you're looking at it, the effort was definitely felt more. It just felt like he just could not get his pitches exactly where they were. And even despite that, even despite what was his worst start of the of the season, he still struck out seven guys in five and a third innings. So not not anything we're super concerned about right now. He's still been great. I expect I expect him the next his next start out to continue to miss a bunch of bats. I again two more starts. If he's still striking guys out at a good at a high rate and is still you know, keep it, you know, pitching five, six, seven innings and striking out that many guys, even if he's given up a run or two there, I expect him to be in Rome sooner rather than later. Uh, AJ Smith Schauver <sighs> looked really, really good the, the, for the, through the first inning and the second inning, just all the command was gone. Uh, started getting knocked around and wasn't able to do much beyond that. So, again, this is a young, raw arm. We love the fastball. You know, it's already touching, you know, mid, upper 90s. Just needs to learn how to command the top of the zone a bit better. Needs to learn, you know, where to locate his pitches and to get his to hit his spots to not let guys do damage because they know he's throwing that fastball. So he's gonna have to hit his spot somewhat and kind of get the swings, get them to swing at the pitches that he wants them to swing at, and not necessarily key in on the ones that you know maybe catch a little bit more of the zone and he can you know get knocked around a little bit because there's just too many base runners right now. Uh, one last note about Gus before I let everyone go. Adam Shoemaker did make a start. But after three pitches, left the game. And we do not know what that injury is. We do not know exactly what's going on. Obviously, there's an injury involved there. We just don't know exactly to what extent that injury is. Hopefully, we, he, he turns out just fine. But he definitely, something was not quite right with him. So, we'll, hope, we'll if we have updates on him, we'll let you know. That's Again, this is a, a long-levered Canadian prep arm that the Braves went over slot to take. He needs all the development time he can get. But again, something wasn't quite right with him. And hopefully, he's just fine. We'll see. We'll see what happens, though. Well, I apologize again for this being more of an abbreviated episode, and I apologize if my voice has been kind of going a little bit. I am getting feeling better than I was last week, but still kind of dealing with the you know the after effects of just not feeling particularly great, dealing with science stuff and dealing with that drainage and the associated throat stuff. So maybe it was a little bit of a blessing in disguise that this was going to be a bit of a shorter episode. If you want to make sure you never miss a single episode of Road to Atlanta, all you need to do is subscribe to the Battery Power podcast feed. Just go to whatever your preferred podcast purveyor is, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you whatever you use. You search Battery Power and you subscribe to that feed. Not only you get this podcast, which is the podcast of, for the minor leagues, you also get the flagship program hosted by the great Brad Rowland, occasionally co-hosted by myself and also Scott Coleman. And then you get the Daily Hammer as well, which is your daily update podcast, which is going to be coming out earlier, uh, not, really in just about 12 hours or so, uh, hosted by the great Sean Coleman, which is kind of your daily update on the Major League side for whatever's going on in the Major League side. If you need like a 10, 15-minute show that kind of gets you all caught up on what's going on, 
Major League side, whatever transactions were happening, whatever newsworthy stuff's happening, that's the one. That's the that's the show that you look to. So make sure you go subscribe to the podcast feed so you don't miss a single episode. We appreciate all of the support on the podcast over the last several years that we've been doing it. It's been a ton of fun to be able to do these podcasts. And next week we'll get back and we'll actually have Garrett back in the on the show and we'll be able to get back to things to normal. But we, I appreciate all the patience and support for the, the site for the show for me personally. We love you all, and until next time, we'll see you on the road.